Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right. Well, so I went back through some, uh, some sermons I've, I've preached in the past, specifically at camps and stuff like that, and, and added a little to it, and kind of um, God was, uh, I was praying, God, what do you want me to speak about today? And I believe that uh, despite all the last minute changes and stuff, I believe God has a word for you today, amen? Um, so I, I'm excited to share uh, what the Lord has put on my heart, and, and just uh, about, really, it's about... Um, it's about surrendering yourself to God and his plans for you and just some ways we can do that better. And uh, so I know I've, I've talked about my life verse before, but I'm going to start with my life verse because I think it's very relevant to this. And what I mean by life verse, if you do not have what, what you call a life verse, no shame in that, but what, what it's all about is spending time in the Word, spending time with God, and through your life experiences he will make certain passages of Scripture real to you in a new and powerful way. And that's what I mean when I say this is my life verse. It's something that has become very powerful and real to me because of the experiences in my life and learning to trust God more. So my life verse, Proverbs 16, 9, says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And I've got to tell you, the reason this has become such a big life verse for me is because my plans have experienced some spectacular failures. <laughs> you know, and I have learned that people, people like hearing about your successes sometimes, but what people really love is to hearing about where you spectacularly failed. Am I right? I mean, who doesn't love a good disaster story, right? Um, so let me tell you about a little time that I had a spectacular failure. Well, it was on my eighth birthday. And uh, I was so excited. You know, any kid that has a birthday is like, oh, what am I get? What presents am I going to get, right? And oh man, I got the present that was every little boy's dream. I got a big kid bike. Oh my goodness. I remember this bike just like yesterday. It was a green mongoose bike and uh, it was one of the, it was no training wheels, you know, it was a, a big kid's bike. And, and it was one of those bikes that you pedal backwards to stop. That will become relevant later in the story. Um, and and uh, yeah, it was just so exciting to finally get this really cool big kid's bike. And it had been raining that day, also relevant to the story. Um, but you know, the rain had stopped, everything was wet, but I wasn't going to let that stop me from riding my brand new bike. I was so excited to ride this bike. And so I went out, and being a kid of the 80s, of course I didn't have a helmet on, right? Why, why would I wear one of those? And that, that wasn't cool. Um, and so I went out, I was riding around my neighborhood, and I was riding up and down the street. I was like, this is great. I love this bike. I was getting the hang of it. I was like, you know, I think I got it. I, I think I've got the feel of this bike. And so I was living in Kentucky at the time, Wilmore, Kentucky. And we lived on this, it was a hilly area, and we lived on this giant hill. Our house was kind of in the middle on this road. It's called Barefoot Drive, and it went way, 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 way up and way down. And, you know, being an intelligent eight-year-old with a brand-new bike, I thought, I wonder how fast I can go. 
Oh, yeah, that's a great start to any story, right? Um, so I pedaled up this hill. I, I, I went up the hill, and it, man, it's a long, long hill, and I'm getting tired. I go up to the top, and I get to the top, and I look down this hill, nice straight shot, and I'm like, this is going to be great. <laughs> All right, so I start to pedal. I get up going, and I'm going fast, and I get going faster and faster, and there goes my house. I whiz by my house, and I'm going. I'm having the time of my life. My plans are going great. And at the bottom of this hill, there is a cul-de-sac, okay? You know what a cul-de-sac is. It's where it ends in a big circle, right? And so I'm racing down the hill without a care in the world, and I start into the cul-de-sac, and I realize, okay, it's probably time to slow down and stop the bike because I'm approaching the end of the road. I'm like, I've got plenty of space. I'm in, you know, just starting the cul-de-sac. And so I pedal backwards to slam on the brakes. Well, if you know anything about these kind of bikes, like slamming on the brakes just locks it up, right? And remember, it had been raining that day. Everything was a bit slick, so I slid across the cul-de-sac, and the curbs in my neighborhood were the rounded kind. They were not the nice, you know, squared-off corners, so I just popped right over that curb. And what do you know? I am in my neighbor's yard that continues the hill downward, <laughs> and it's on wet grass. Well, Wet grass isn't even as good as wet asphalt for stopping. And I'm still moving pretty quick. And I start sliding across my neighbor's yard, wheels locked. And at the bottom of this yard is a creek. And at the edge of that creek is about a six-foot bulkhead dropping into the creek. And I am quickly approaching my doom. <laughs> I am sliding down this, this yard. and. It, you know, being the quick thinker I am, I'm like, I've got to do something or I'm going in that creek. So I look and I see where the bulkhead is dropping down and I see there's a place in the yard where the grass dips down about a foot, foot and a half and there's some exposed bulkhead. And so being the quick thinker that I am, I aim right for that. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to hit that and the bike will stop. Well, I was right. <laughs> what I hadn't taken into account was, you know, basic physics that the bike might stop but I will not. The last thing I remember is hurtling headfirst over the handlebars straight towards a rock in the middle of the creek. And then, lights out. I don't remember anything after that until I was being carried by a complete stranger up my street. And I remember him asking me, which house do you live in? Man, that could have been it for me. There is no question I could have been dead. But God had mercy. And this stranger, I think he was a college student from about a mile down the street where I ended up going to college. He think he was just walking by, and he saw what happened. He fished me out of the stream, and he was carrying me back home. And he said, where do you live? And pointed me there. And to this day, I have no idea who that was. I talked to my mom about the story. She doesn't even remember him, which is crazy to me. But... But I ended up getting a bunch of stitches. I had to go to the hospital, got infected. It was a big mess. But I survived, and God had mercy on me. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with making plans. But it's so much better to trust God, because sometimes our plans end in spectacular failure. I think that's a pretty clear example there. So I'm a planner at heart, and Clearly, Proverbs 16.9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps, has become real in my life 
through a number of things. That's not the day it came, became real in my life. It was much later on, and I've had a number of other failures since. But the fact is that I've learned that God's plan is what I really want with my life. As much as I think I want my plan, that is not what I should be pursuing and desire for my life. Now, I'm not saying don't make plans. In fact, I'm going to talk about this. Making plans is actually can be a form of good stewardship because God wants us to be diligent. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart, as to the Lord, not to men. And so making plans is a good part of that. But the question is, is your plan surrendered to God? That's where the heart of the matter lies. Because sometimes God has something very different in mind. Um, so let me tell you another story about planning. And this one's more of a positive story about being a good steward of what God has done. And this is why it's important to make diligent and good plans. Because you can go about life just kind of taking things as they come and not making plans. But is that the best use of your, of your resources and what God has done in your life? My great-grandfather... His name is Lawrence. Um, his name was Lawrence. And my grandfather, his name was Bob. Um, they they uh, did some business together. And Lawrence was a uh, very successful businessman. He came to South Carolina, Holly Hill, South Carolina. And he started a lumber mill from nothing, basically. And he, uh, he the, the story is he came to, came to town with five cents in his pocket. And he, uh, he was able to rent a saw and start cutting lumber, and eventually he grew it up into this multi-million dollar lumber mill. And it owned, he owned uh, lots and lots of timberland, and he had this big sawmill, and I got to tour it as a kid one day. It was really cool to see all this stuff. And he got to do this, but you know what? He was a man of God, and he realized that he was a steward of what God had given him. None of that was truly his. It was what God had blessed him with and allowed him to use, right? And that is really important because one day, a big deposit of limestone was found on some of the timberland that the lumber mill owned. And so he had a decision to make. What do I do with this big limestone deposit? And, you know, most people, uh, when they've made it, they're, they're wealthy, they, are, you know, they don't need anything, they might just let it go. But he realized, I need to be a good steward of what God has given me. And so he, with my grandfather Bob, Lawrence and Bob, they went to the bank to seek a loan to build a cement factory. Now, that's a not a small endeavor. That's, that's a big deal. But he wanted to use the resources that were found. And so he went, and he talked to the banker, and the banker was like, why would you risk everything to start this? He said, you know, you are the most successful man in town. You have built this up. You, you hire a lot of the town. Why would you risk it all? And he said, stewardship. They left without getting the loan that day, and my grandfather Bob turned to Lawrence and said, he had no idea what you were talking about. You see, the world doesn't get what good stewardship is. The world thinks that it's all about being successful and living for yourself, and once you've made it, you know, you can use that money for what you want. You don't have to live for a higher purpose. But what Bob and Lawrence realized is that serving God with it, it's not, it's not ours in the first place. It's God's, right? And we are to use that wisely. And that's what being a good steward is all about. And um, ultimately, it's not for us. It's for something bigger than us. And so I just want to kind of 
put that out there that, that good planning is a form of stewardship. But then the higher thing is, is that plan submitted to God? Because his plans may be different than you expect. And we see that that is true throughout Scripture. We have people that have one plan, and God has something bigger for them. And you can choose to follow it like King David followed God's plan, and he did not take it into his own hands. He had the chance to kill Saul and to take those plans into his own hand. But he decided that, no, I'm going to respect God's plans first. And God honored that in some powerful ways. And then on the other hand, you have somebody like Jonah, who tried to take his own, the plans into his own hands and run from God. And he had great suffering because of that. And you see that through the story. And he ended up following God's plans reluctantly. But it would have been so much better if he had followed God on purpose in the first place. So are your plans surrendered to God? Uh, Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, I think that's so cool because God's plan for us, it's a promise that they are good and he wants us to prosper. And so we can trust God, and trust is a big part of this. I'm going to talk about the three things in just a minute that you can do to be yielding to God, okay? And trust is one of those things. Um, Sometimes God's plan seems difficult, but I will promise you this. His plan is always better in the end, always. Um, It may not seem like it for a long time, but his plan is always better in the end. So how do we yield our plans to God? What are the steps that we can do? I've got three steps for you today that I think are good to focus on, and there are some other things you can look at, but I think if you have these three things surrendered to God, I think you can be pretty safe in saying you are yielding your plans to God. So one is your money. Two is your time. And three is trusting in God. So I'm going to hit those three things real quick. The first one, money. This one's a little bit of a hard one to talk about sometimes. It's almost a little taboo sometimes because money is a very personal thing. You know, some people, you might get a little defensive if somebody says, well, how much do you make, right? Or if you uh, start talking about, like, what you should do with your money. It's a very personal thing. But I think it's really fascinating. If you look at what Jesus talked about, did you know he talked more about money than he did about prayer and faith combined? That says something right there. Because prayer and faith are both extremely important things. But Jesus talked more about money than those things. And I believe it's because he knew that the secret is you cannot have your heart in the right place without your money. And let me, let me share a little bit more about that. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, where your money is, there your heart will be also. Think about that for a second. Where your money is, there your heart will be also. So if you want your heart in the right place, your money needs to go there first. You need, that needs to be part of the deal. Um, and I think we find this true in our life. Like, if you really like something and you're spending money on it, it kind of increases that. You know, hobbies are great, but if you spend all your money on cars, you know, that's where your heart is. I can tell you that if I look at your checkbook, I can tell you where your heart is. That's, that's what Jesus is saying here. If you look and say where you spend your money, that's where your heart is going to follow. So... Think about, you know, this is, I'm just going to, br- I'm just brushing over the, sub, the, the surface of this topic here with money. Honestly, this deserves a much, much larger in-depth um, message, and 
Likely I'll be able to do that in the future at some point, but we're just going to hit the very basics. So first of all, your heart can't be in the right place without your money. And the second thing with this is, I want, to, I want you to think for a second, what are you saying to God if you are not putting your money, um, if you're not giving back to God and you're not using your money for things other than yourself? What are you really saying to God if you just use it all on yourself? I believe that what you are saying to God is that I can handle that better than you. You know, the Bible promises that whatever you use to give, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I don't know about you, but I want God to bless me generously. There's nothing wrong with saying that. I think each one of us here should want to be blessed by God. But the Bible says, whatever measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so if you are being stingy with God, you're saying to God, you know what, God? I don't need your blessing. I've got this. I can handle it. I don't need a big blessing. Maybe I'll give a little bit, but, you know, I don't need, I've got it under control. And man, to me, that's one of the scariest things you could say, because uh, I want God's blessing far more than I want to be able to handle it on my own. Comes back to that Man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Which one are you trusting more, your plans or God's direction? The next step is time. Um, Think about this. When you're spending time with God, um, it's a lot like when you get married. You know, the Bible talks about that the church is the bride of Christ. Well, imagine this. Imagine Jenny and I just got married. We had a beautiful wedding ceremony. It was great. And... and, uh, we get to our honeymoon, and we're going out, and, and we arrive where we're going to go, and I tell Jenny, I said, man, I love you so much. We're in this awesome spot. I've got some things I want to do. Uh, I'm going to go out and enjoy the town. I'll see you in a few days. And I head out, and I go spend a few days doing different things, hanging out, enjoying myself, and I come back, and I see her, and I'm like, man, I had such a great few days. How, how's your time been? Oh, that's fantastic. All right, well, I'm going to go back out. I'll see you in a few more days. And I go back out, and I don't see her for days at a time. Maybe I send her a text once a day and say, hey, how you doing? Love you. Send her a text the next day. Oh, hey, it's been a great day. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow. Then I come back, and I I see her again. I I do this repeatedly over and over. Am I going to have a great relationship with Jenny, my wife? No, I'm not going to have a great relationship because I am not investing the time. And you know what? I think this is a lot like what we do with God. And frankly, out of the three things I'm talking about today, money, time, and trust, this is the biggest struggle for me. Money has never been a huge struggle, trusting God with it, and then trusting him has never been the biggest struggle. But time with God, that's a hard one for me. And, you know, if I were to do this with my wife, I think I'd have a really bad relationship with her. But when it comes to God, it's very similar. Think about it. If your time with God consists of praying at meals, kind of like shooting a quick text, right? And going to church on Sunday, which is kind of like checking in every once in a while and spending a little bit of time, but then spending days at a time, not, not talking to your wife. It's like the same thing with God. You can't expect to have an amazing relationship with God unless you are spending the time with God. And, you know, Jesus demonstrated this very well in Scripture. He repeatedly went off into the wilderness to pray alone with God and to spend time with God. And previously I talked about prayer with you all, and listening to God is an important part of that because it's not about just what we say to God. It's about what God says 
to us. So spending the time to build that relationship with him. And if you're finding that that's hard for you, it's hard for me too. But finding that time each day where you can set aside and say, God, I'm going to spend first thing when I wake up or last thing before I go to bed. I'm going to spend this time with you and just start small. Maybe, you know, read a chapter in the Bible and just spend a few minutes just listening to what he has to say. And I promise you that will help grow your relationship with God. You know, Luke 10 38 through 42 is a pretty good example of this story, and this is kind of where I struggle a little bit too. So Luke 10, 38 uh, says, Now it happened, as they went, uh, Jesus, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, this is a trap that a lot of Christians fall into. Here we have Martha who is serving God diligently, literally serving Jesus, maybe cleaning the dishes. Think, I just think in my head, I think they came, they had a nice meal together, and Martha is running about cleaning the house and doing the dishes. And Mary comes and sits at Jesus' feet and listens to what Jesus is saying. And Martha is like, what's the deal, Jesus? I'm doing all this work. Tell my sister to stop being so lazy and help me out. Sound familiar, anybody? I'm sure we've all seen these situations. But it's amazing. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better path. And it's because not because she was being lazy, but because she realized this is the moment that I get to hear from Jesus. This is the moment that is truly important. And so she was spending her time with God. And so I'm not trying to tell you to neglect the duties that you have, but the time with God is more important than those things. And so prioritize what is truly important in your life. And I'm talking to myself as much as anybody because I often get caught up in the Martha things, in the things that I am doing. I am very much a doer and I like to like work with my hands. I like to see something accomplished, but it's much more important to build that relationship. So that is the time aspect. And the last one is trust. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this verse right here is talking about how we are all called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And a big part of this To be transformed, you have to surrender to God and trust in him. God will transform us when we encounter him, but we have to trust him first. Let me give you an example of what true trust really looks like. So, sorry if you, uh, you know, I I don't mean to make my parents uh, look bad here, but, you know, sometimes I wonder if they wanted me to to grow up. Um, We were on vacation once, and... uh, we were, we were at this lake, and my dad signed us up for paragliding. Now, who here has ever been paragliding before? A few of you? Yeah, a few of you? 
Awesome. So typically what paragliding is, is you get on the back of a boat and it races through the water and you have this parachute on your back and it lifts you up in the air, maybe 100, 200, maybe 300 feet, and you go behind the boat, and you get this cool view and, and everything, and then it reels you back down onto the boat, and then you're done. And it's pretty great. I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Well, this place that we went, uh, things looked a little bit different than normal, but I'm like, okay, we were in another country, and I'm like, okay, maybe they just do things a little differently. And, and I'm like, I've been paragliding before, so I'm not too worried. I'm like, this, this is exciting. Um, they had this policy for some reason, I, I couldn't figure out why, but they, they had an instructor on your back, you know, usually paragliding, you don't have to have an instructor like attached to you, but I was like, okay, well, it's a little different, but maybe that's just their policy, right? So I get on this boat, and we, the parachute goes out, and we start going up, and I'm like, this is cool, like, I love it, it's, it's thrilling and exciting, we get up 100 feet, 200 feet, 300 feet, 400 feet, 500 feet, and I'm starting to think, whoa, I have never been this high paragliding before. This, this is a little intense, like, no wonder there's an instructor on my back, right? And I go up 600 feet, 700 feet, 800 feet, 900, 1,000 feet, and I'm like, the lake is starting to look pretty small right now, and I'm thinking, this is getting a little scary, like, okay, like, 300 feet was cool, but 1,000 feet, like, I am way, way up there, and Pretty soon, we, start, we keep going. It doesn't stop. And pretty soon, we start hitting turbulence. Now, if you've ever been on a plane and you've experienced turbulence, you know it can be a little scary. Well, when we start hitting turbulence, I look up and I'm realizing we're attached to this parachute by these little tiny strings, right? A lot of these little strings attached to this parachute, and the whole thing is rocking up and down. And I'm starting to get pretty scared. I'm holding on tighter and tighter to to the parachute here, and I'm thinking, what have I gotten myself into? I have never been on anything like this. And it goes up 1,500 feet. I'm looking down below at the lake, and the boat is circling the lake to get us higher and higher, because it's not that big of a lake. At first, it seemed like it was a pretty big lake, but when you're way up there, it is circling this lake, and we're going up and up, and the turbulence is getting worse, and it's, it's rocking the parachute, and the guy's behind me. I'm like, I am so thankful he's back here, because he knows what he's doing, I think. Um, and I'm, I'm getting pretty scared, and I remember we got up to about 2,000 feet, way up in the air. There's a mountain beside us. We're getting above where they're jumping off the mountain, and I'm thinking, we are way up here, and it's shaking, and the boat's going in circles, and he says, okay, are you ready to let go? And I was like, what are you talking about? Let go. And he starts counting down, three, two, and I'm thinking, what is, I'm holding on for dear life here. <laughs> One! And he pulls a lever, and the cable that is holding us to the boat detaches and shoots down to the lake. And all of a sudden, we're floating peacefully in the air. The turbulence is completely gone. It's stillness and silence. And it was beautiful. And we floated down gently all the way to the beach at the edge of the lake. And it was a completely different experience. As soon as that cable let go and it stopped pulling us, everything was tranquil. And I realized that all we needed to do was let go and trust in this parachute and trust that it could take us down. And everything got so much better. And you know, that's a whole lot like trusting in God. Because life is full of things that cause turbulence, that cause us to fear 
that cause us to worry and look down at the ground and to look up at these little strings that are holding us to this parachute. But God is saying, trust me. Give your cares to the Lord. And you know the beautiful thing is? When you do that, he gives you this amazing peace. And you can be going through some crazy times in your life. I mean, just look at the economy. If you want to get some anxiety, look at what's going on in the war in Europe and look at what's going on in the news and in politics. And, and there's so many things that you can worry about. Maybe it's finances for you. Maybe, maybe it's your relationships. But God wants us to lay those at his feet and to trust him. And it's only once you do that that you can experience true peace from God. And let me tell you, that is worth letting go. It's scary. It's scary to trust God and say, God, you know what? I'm going to dedicate my finances, my relationship, my job. I'm going to give that to you and trust that you will provide. That is not an easy thing. It's just like letting go of that cable. It was not easy. That's the last thing I wanted to do is to let go. But as soon as I did, it was worth it. And so I encourage you today that when it comes to God's plan and your plan and yielding to God, that he calls us to follow him with our money, with our time, and with our trust. And so those are the things I want you to be thinking about as we leave today. Have you trusted him with those things? And are you experiencing God's peace? And if you are, that is awesome. I am so excited for you if you have that relationship with God where you can dwell in true peace with him. But if you have not done that yet, I encourage you to do that. And if you have not made the decision to receive Christ into your life, that's where it all starts because you can't surrender to God without surrendering first uh, to his plan for salvation for us. And Romans 10.9 says, if a man's heart, um, sorry, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that's where it all starts. Confessing that Jesus is Lord, putting him first in your life, and believing that we serve a living God, that God raised him from the dead to pay for our sins, and that we can have that relationship with him. So that's really where it all starts. So if you haven't done that, I just want to give you the opportunity today. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And first, I will pray that we will all be surrendered to God and his will. Then I'll pray that we will dedicate our money, our time, and our trust to him. So feel free to pray with me. And if you haven't received Christ, I'd love to talk with you after. I know Pastor Mike would love to hear from you. Um, If you're online, please send us a message because we want to celebrate with you and help walk through that journey with you. So let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you sent your son to die for us. And we do confess today that you are Lord of our life. We, We ask that you will make your plan the priority in our life. And we believe in your son. We believe that you raised him from the dead and that, uh, that you've paid for our sins, and we just claim that, Lord, and we thank you so much for the gift of your Son. And um, today I just ask that you will help us, wherever the area of challenge is, whether it be money, the time we spend with you, trusting in you, um, relationships, anything in our life that is standing between us and your plan for us, I ask that you'll help us surrender that to you. I ask that we'll go forward today and that you will put on our heart ways that we can grow towards you and closer to you. Um, And I just thank you that you give us the opportunity to have this awesome relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.